its expansion and rushed to the farthest verge and there quivered and felt the world come closer, swollen with some astonishing significance, some pressure of rapture which split its thin skin and gushed and poured with an extraordinary alleviation over the cracks and sores. Then, for that moment she had seen an illumination, a match burning in a crocus, an inner meaning almost expressed, but the close withdrew, the hard softened. It was over the moment. Against such moments, with women too, there contrasted as she laid her hat down, the bed, and Baron Marble, and the candle half burnt. Lying awake, the floor creaked. The lit house was suddenly darkened. And if she raised her head, she could just hear the click of the handle released as gently as possible by Richard who slipped upstairs in his socks and then, as often as not, dropped his hot water bottle and swore. <laughs> How she laughed. But this question of love, she thought, putting her coat away, this falling in love with women. Take Sally Seaton. Her relation in the old days with Sally Seaton. Had not that, after all, been love? She sat on the floor. That was her first impression of Sally. She sat on the floor with her arms round her knees, smoking a cigarette. Where could it have been? The Mannings, Kinlock Jones, at some party where she couldn't be certain, for she had a distinct recollection of saying to the man she was with, who is that? And he told her and said that Sally's parents didn't get on. How that shocked her. One's parents should quarrel. But all that evening she couldn't take her eyes off Sally. It was an extraordinary beauty of the kind she most admired, dark, large-eyed, with that quality which, since she hadn't got it herself, she always envied, a sort of abandonment, as if she could say anything, do anything. A quality much commoner in foreigners than in English women. Sally always said she had French blood in her veins. An ancestor had been with Marie Antoinette, had his head cut off, left a ruby ring. Perhaps that summer she came to stay at Burton, walking in quite unexpectedly without a penny in her pocket one night after dinner, and upsetting poor Aunt Helena to such an extent that she never forgave her. There'd been some awful quarrel at home. She literally hadn't a penny that night when she came to them, had pawned a brooch to come down. She'd rushed off in a passion. They sat up till all hours of the night talking. Sally it was who made her feel for the first time how sheltered the life of Borton was. She knew nothing about sex, nothing about social problems. She'd once seen an old man who'd dropped dead in a field. She'd seen cows just after their calves were born. But Aunt Helena never liked discussion of anything. When Sally gave her William Morris, it had to be wrapped in brown paper. There they sat, hour after hour, talking in her bedroom at the top of the house, talking about life, how they were to reform the world. They meant to found a society to abolish private property. And actually had a letter written, though not sent out. The ideas were Sally's, of course, but very soon she was just as excited. Read Plato in bed before breakfast, read Morris, read Shelley by the hour. Sally's power was amazing, her gift, her personality. There was her way with flowers, for instance. At Burton, they always had stiff little vases all the way down the table. Sally went out, picked hollyhocks, dahlias, all sorts of flowers that had never been seen together, cut their heads off and made them swim on the top of water in bowls. The effect was extraordinary coming into dinner in the sunset. Of course, Aunt Helena thought it wicked to treat flowers like that. Then she forgot her sponge and ran along the passage naked, a grim old housemaid, Ellen Atkins, went about grumbling, exposing one of the gentlemen had seen. Indeed, she did shock people. She was untidy, Papa said. 
The strange thing on looking back was the purity, the integrity of her feeling for Sally. It was not like one's feeling for a man. It was completely disinterested. And besides, it had a quality which could only exist between women, between women just grown up. It was protective on her side, sprang from a sense of being in league together, a presentiment of something that was bound to part them. They spoke of marriage always as a catastrophe, which led to this chivalry, this protective feeling which was much more on her side than Sally's. For in those days she was completely reckless, did the most idiotic things out of bravado, bicycled round the parapet on the terrace, smoked cigars. Absurd she was, very absurd. But the charm was overpowering to her, at least, so that she could remember standing in her bedroom at the top of the house, holding the hot water can in her hands and saying aloud,